Welcome back to Apple Picking. This is Ziggy. This is Donnie. And with us today, special guest Jay Matthews, who's a friend of the podcast. Um, he's been an avid pros tester in the greater Philadelphia area. Uh, thank you, Jay, for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here, actually. That's good. Glad to have you here. We have Matt Hanna um, on the first episode. Go check that out. That should be up at the time of this debuting. Uh, but Jay Matthews kind of experienced some of those similar protests, was involved in similar protests to, to Matt. And they're both in the Philadelphia area. I say similar. They were the exact same ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so starting off the bat with kind of, you know, a pretty drastic situation. Uh, the tear gassing incident on 676. Matt said he was kind of in the middle of the pack. He didn't really under know exactly what unfolded that caused, you know, things to, to escalate to the place they did. But he just knew that he had to kind of get off the freeway. And when he was pinned up against a fence, helping people kind of get over the fence, had nowhere place to run, no place to hide. And he had, you know, tear gas land next to him, rubber bullets, hit his legs, hit his friend's legs. How were you with that? Uh, my experience with that, and I was actually impressed to see Matt Han actually tweet about it. I retweeted his tweet and added my own words to it. We were at the same as that protest. I did not see him out there, by the way, but there was many people out there as well. Um, we led a preschool protest. We started at, I think, Love Park that day. My group had joined at Love Park, but the protest went all around the city. And then we started making our way back down to Benjamin Franklin Parkway. And we met up, we basically were met with a group of cops that were blocking the expressway, but there was a gap in a gate that has been there for a while and it was funny to yell the like the, we heard a cop yelling that we broke the gate but that gate's been broken for many years i lived in the city my whole life that gate's been broken and when i seen people like hopping other fences to go into the expressway i me and my roommate immediately started yelling to people if you have goggles put them on now because if they're going to get us they're going to get us right here um but i will let you know the expressway that day one side of it was blocked because police did have a blocked off on the other side there were cars coming um those cars i feel like they were out there they knew were happening we also like passed cars that were on the streets that were already blocked they found some way to get there and support everyone protesting so those cars were with us they were like a part of the protest the entire time we were just walking down the expressway we're still chanting hold our signs but everything's peaceful no one's being violent and everybody's recording it as well and in the distance from coming down the expressway you just see sirens and the police lights coming and at that moment we still continue to be like peaceful and keep protesting we're not going to stop protesting and shortly after that you just see gas and crowds of people running it was very dangerous especially when we're like it's a narrow expressway people are running in between cars and stuff it was really scary i'm not gonna lie um my first time ever being gassed before my first time ever actually partaking in a protest like that it was it was a wild experience and i'll tell you that and every person that was out there that day they will tell you it was probably really scary and many fear for their lives but i'm glad everyone that i know of happened to be safe after that people did get arrested that day but i'm glad like the footage had gotten out i'm glad like people were able to see like what was happening to these protesters we and that day, I felt like I lost my right to protest. It's a civil right for me to, you know, an amendment to protest. And that day when we weren't allowed to, basically, not only did they gas the expressway, they started gassing the parkway as well. And on the parkway, there's people walking their dogs, there's people out there jogging, just taking walks, going to the art museum, and they gassed that entire thing too. So I'm like, not only is the expressway gas, but the parkway is gas, who they really don't want us out here protesting nothing. And I felt like my voice was shut down, but that didn't stop me from protesting. I kept going back out there. So where were you in relation, like in, in this, in the protest itself? I know Matt said he was in, in just kind of smack in the middle. 
Were you kind of around that middle area too? Yeah, so actually, you know, the, um, the divider and the expressway, like the, yeah. yeah, I was standing on top of that. We were walking along that. People were walking in the actual streets. I was walking on top of that so I can get a good view of my camera, of everything that's going on. Um, my roommate was right there with me the whole way. But once the crowd had dispersed and started running, we got separated. And that was, I'll say that was the scariest part for me because I didn't know where she was. She didn't have a phone on her. And I was terrified that she had got trapped or captured or like ran over by people. She safe? Could have trampled her. Yeah she was safe she we end up so i ran back up to the parkway she had to like so i ran back up the part that i had came out in where the fence it wasn't a fence she just had to climb up this dirt hill so i got out easily other people did have to hop fences and stuff and i'm glad i didn't have to do that my roommate i found out had to get help to hop a fence and that's not easy those fences are really tall yeah and they're, they're not like a crisscross gate they're like just you know parallel fences that you have no leverage to put a foot on you actually have to use all like upper body strength to pull yourself over that fence so those fences what we heard from Matt Hanna as well was that they were getting tear gassed up against yeah fences. and you and you're saying here that yeah those those are not fences that you can easily scale to get out there's not no. you know a hidden door on the side of the fence that you can scamper out no you had to go over the fence you have to go over it was it. a slow physical process to try to get over the fence mm-hmm. they're not given an opportunity because while you're worried about getting over the fence to get off the parkway that you supposedly had the right to be there and supposedly was already blockaded yeah right? that was stuff was already prepared for yeah, and that's what I would question, too, because like I said, if we were going to get gas anywhere during this protest, it would be on expressway. Now, I understand that we, as human beings, should not be on expressway because there are cars there and it's dangerous for us. But if those cars were not moving already and the other side of the expressway was blocked, then why didn't we have the right to be there? Like, I felt like we were set up in a way, kind of, but maybe I'm just crazy. But there were literally... I mean, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the cops to, to <laughs> set up you guys for a situation where they could just, you know, vehemently disagree and just berate you guys with tear gas the entire i wouldn't put a pass on whatsoever yeah but like i had a feeling i had a deep feeling i was like if we're going on the expressway then if there's any chances of us getting gas it's going to be here definitely i know the mayor kind of spoke up a little bit and saying that was that was i say a little bit because i, I mean that in the truest sense of the word that it was a little bit and that's it <laughs> Yeah, kind of and kind of had yeah, his uh, I, I mean he spoke up and then people shat on him and then now there really hasn't been, other than the, the incident with the temple protest, there hasn't really been uh, any violence, I would say. There hasn't ever since. I believe yeah. that when they gassed the expressway, that was last Monday, I believe. Yep. Yeah, that last was last Monday. week. Um, ever since that, I haven't, every protest I've been to have ended peacefully. They didn't, I haven't been gassed. There was one protest, I believe, that happened on Friday. It ended very peacefully. And... But as everyone was on their way home and the crowd was dispersing to like travel home, there was a gang of police cops on bikes that pulled up and started harassing people. And that got called on camera. And that was yeah. a temple who was harassed. That had got called on yeah, camera. That I, had seen, I, had see, I didn't see it happen, but I seen the cops like pulled, like starting to ride down the parkway and like just riding really close to people who were like just trying to walk home. Like the protest had ended peacefully. It was over. People were just trying to get home and they just started harassing people. And I knew something was going to happen. Like, as me and my roommates, we walked back and forth from campus to the city for these protests every day. And, like, as we were leaving, we were like, something's going to go down. Something's definitely going to go down. I mean, that's, I mean, that you're just, you're just kind of epitomizing kind of why the protests are, are here in the first place. Or not in the first place, but, but a big aspect of it is that you, you felt like something was going to happen. Why, I mean, if you feel like something's going to happen, you, you, you shouldn't, nobody, regardless, regardless of any sort of demographical background, you shouldn't feel like something's going to happen with the people who are trying to protect your rights. Quote, unquote, protect your rights. Find, I know, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying to find a more hypocritical statement than that. Yeah, yeah. You can't. Really can't. But you, but you think it's gotten, you know, a little bit 
better in terms of peace overall overall peace in in philadelphia we're not we're not looking yeah, at i was about to say at least the city of philadelphia because i've been attending these protests i don't just watch them from so i've been right. i've been a part of them in the last seven days i've been to like five protests and even though after saturday that was the one that had the like thousands of people there they've been dying down since then and it hurts to see but there's still people there's small groups coming out and still protesting which i feel like there still should be larger groups but like you know are you concerned little, yeah that. you know but yeah i just we just are you, con- are you concerned that that yeah, but in philadelphia things have been calming down ever since they gases that one time on the expressway they've been calming down the national guard is here they're still here they're outside they're all around the um municipal building at 15th and jfk they're stationary you're not allowed to even walk past the streets on jfk you, you know you have to catch your bus somewhere else if you want to get back to campus that's um, great. That's where that's where I work. So when I come back to when I come back to work, come back to Philly, I won't be able to actually go to work. I work on 15th and JFK. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Good to know. Um, so are you concerned that things are seeming to die down? I know we we talked to Matt Hanna a few days ago, and we talked to him actually on Sunday on the seventh, right? And he had just you know had 12 hours off from the protest, the big one on Saturday. Or Don thought there were a hundred thousand people there, but there weren't. There I was... saw something on Twitter that said a hundred thousand. <laughs> I trust Twitter. Yeah, I, they add. Uh, that's that's mistake number one. They added they added an extra zero. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that statement probably. Sure. But yeah. it were there were thousands, thousands, and thousands of people yeah. there. But I asked him. I said, "Do you think that this, you know, is the big one, and we're going to look back and that was the big one, or do you think this big one is going to be the start?" Of, of larger and larger riots and, and we're going to see that that what we thought was the big one kind of grow into something much larger and now what you're saying is that you're kind of concerned that that may have just been the peak and that things are now just kind of dying down yeah like i hope that that was not the peak but if it was it was a great turnout like that was out of i told you the last two weeks that i've been protesting that was the biggest one on saturday that just passed and yeah there maybe not a hundred thousand but definitely ten thousand at least you know people out there you know philadelphia is a, a huge city or what is our population 1.5 million it's like a hundred thousand <laughs> no <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the population of philly off the top of my head. i think i, think I looked at it earlier it was like 1.5 million it's like 1.5 9-1 or something. Well, yeah, our population has huh. always been the same. And there's a lot of people in the city and it's a very diverse city. Um, but yeah, I hope that last big one wasn't the end. There's another one coming up next Saturday, the 13th. Um, I'm working that day, but hopefully I can get someone to cover my shift because I do want to attend. And it's being ran by the same people that ran the one the past Saturday. So hopefully they can grab the numbers again and make it as big as it was before. But I hope that was not the last one. But I've been telling all my friends and family that no matter what, this is going down in history. This is, and I, and I keep saying this too, history repeats this. So people like to say like shows like South Park and The Simpsons, they predict the future. I tell people, no, they just, history repeats itself and they just keep making fun of it. And that's what's happening. Um, I know this isn't the last one. We saw, I've been seeing stuff, especially, you know, comes to mind of Austin, Texas, and you know, the, the Los Angeles, San Francisco area of tens of thousands of people um in those protests kind of taking over the city what like you know taking over the golden gate bridge you know do you think that philadelphia can kind of grab that you know something similar to that right yeah actually when i seen videos and posts about people protesting on those bridges and stuff i made a comment to my roommate one day as we were outside and i was like it'll be really cool if 
we started um, marching over the Ben Franklin Bridge and then people from Camden, New Jersey would like meet us halfway in the middle of the bridge and we can just protest together. But I also seen a scenario, I can't remember what city it was, but they had trapped people on a bridge and they were gassing them on the bridge and like they wouldn't let people escape from the bridge and when they got to escape from the bridge, they were being arrested. So that's even, like, that'd be even worse than, than the 676. 676, yeah. at least they could potentially go over the fence yeah. or like you say, get up on, onto the... Uh, on the what is it expressway? I don't know. I don't know the terminology you guys use. Expressways, <laughs> parkways. We use some completely different in Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> but you know, there there was a, some ways out at some angles. But if you're on a bridge, the only way out is over the bridge. Yeah. And then that's that's to your death, right? That's not. There is no way out. There's no way out right there. And then, like you said, from the videos you see from us or people being trapped on um, the expressway, there was no way out for them. They were trapped. Police were still throwing and gassing them when they were literally trapped between a wall and the police right there. So it was like that was unnecessary, obviously. But in that whole bridge incident, the video I did see, it might have. I can't remember what city it was, but I remember it was trending on Twitter that one night. And it's hard to be off social media at this time. I'm not going to lie. I deleted Instagram three months ago and I just downloaded it back last night. And it's so hard to grasp and get back into that form of social media. But I've been using Twitter as my main source lately, using my voice, retweeting things, seeing other things that I was not aware of, educating myself, helping educate other people. Social media is really helping in this time of crisis. I mean, it's, it's helping. It's also hurting, you know? I mean, you can find whatever angle you want to find on social media if you if you are a racist you will find things that support your racist views yeah and and that's and that's the scary part about it is that it kind of makes you know it makes things even more divisive in my opinion um i'm gonna gonna i i personally think we're starting to see um i don't know maybe it's because my twitter three twitter thread has been pretty liberal but i think we're kind of (laughs) starting to see that um those like racist thoughts kind of get drowned out now i think a lot of people are kind of like looking at the response by the by governments in the White House and are saying like <clears throat> uh like no this is like real like like we supported you at first and we voted for you but now like we are really seeing how bad you are and I don't know I think we're kind of like you said like if you're racist you're gonna find those racist thoughts on Twitter and everything else but I think we're kind of starting to see all that drown maybe not drowned out's the right word the, but that's, that's the, what I'm pro, the pro-human side of things <laughs> is is getting more attention, right? And, it, yep. and things are blowing yeah. up, and it is drowning things out. But you know, if, if you go and you click on, I saw a, there was a Steeler, a Pittsburgh Steelers player posted something about Black Lives Matter, and you know, in the comments, which is a bunch of of Greater Pittsburgh, uh, you know, very far right individuals who were just giving them crap about, you know, like who who pays your paychecks? You know, look look yeah. in the stands <laughs> at Heinz Field. Who who's the demographic? Uh, it's white people, right? Like, and and, and it's not. It's just not okay. I mean, it's not those comments aren't getting traction, right? The, right. the replies to those comments have have thousands and thousands of likes, and that individual comment has you know, more or less none, right? But the fact that those people still feel like that's the right, that's an okay stance on things, whether or not it's getting traction, whether or not it's getting drowned out, even if even if their comments are getting drowned out, their comments are still there, and they still believe that those comments are valid and okay and not. Which is just blasphemous to me. Like I don't like 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 how do you think like that? Why do you think like that? That's the, yeah, I, mean, that's I find it so bizarre when people who try to justify being racist or a racist comment, they try to like say, no, it's not racist. I'm just like, you can't justify that. Like, how do you, it's, it's in their head, I feel like. It's in yeah, their like head. And they, they really believe what they're saying is not wrong or what they're doing is not wrong when 
majority of the people i will say realize that this is not a thing that's okay you know and i feel like racism or when people say things that are racist they see it as like i don't want to call it a trend but they see it as something that's cool and funny because they're used to doing it with their friends and stuff but when they get called out on it they realize what they've been doing their not their whole lives but what they realized that they were doing their lives that they thought was cool is not cool anymore i mean you're, you're making a nice segue right now a great segue <laughs> because uh we spoke to Matt Hanna. One of the things he really highlighted was, at least for, for the white individual, is awareness, is self-awareness. Is self-awareness is, is, yes, it's very important to be called out upon these things and you know have the confidence to call other people out. But it starts with yourself and being aware of when you are you know overstepping and when you are saying something that is offensive and discriminatory towards somebody else. And a lot of it starts with kind of this indoctrinated, instilled, racism that you know a lot of people who grew up um, i point to myself in, in this situation in a very white affluent not a very diverse primary and secondary education i mean my high school was 80 percent white 19 percent indian and asian and i think it was less than i, I didn't do my math right but it was, it was less than two percent african-american across the entire school district i know my graduating class of over 700 people i could probably count on one or two hands the amount of um of black individuals that were announced at graduation, right? And that's something that, A, yes, you can say you, you want to be a more diverse school. You can always strive for that. But you can't just say, all right, well, we're just going to change the lines of the school to include a more diverse population because that, that's not always something that's going to go over well with a lot of the school district. What's probably a better idea or what Hannah and I were talking about is that it all starts is with the fact that the schools that we went to in North Pittsburgh whitewashed everything. Everything was whitewashed. It was the white man was portrayed as the white savior. The you know if if you were there was white kids screaming n words in the hallways and driving around the parking lots with Confederate flags you know on their souped up 1972 Ford pickups right just screaming discriminatory things out the window. There's no repercussions for them. There's nobody there to hold them and hold them in check. There's nobody there whether it be the teachers or the school board or fellow students to tell them that's wrong because in all honesty. They don't really know better themselves. And I'm not saying that that's, a, that's okay. I'm not saying that's a good thing. But what I am saying is that they weren't made aware that it was bad. And it's not something that you really recognize until you get exposed to a more diverse group of individuals who say, hey, that's not really that cool. That's not really, why do you have to say something like that? You know, that's, that's offensive. I don't, I don't take that kindly. That hurts me. And then you kind of get, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just a shock to your system saying, wow, all these things that just were kind of what my brain defaulted to and I don't know why my brain defaulted to that aren't okay. And you have to kind of take a step back, evaluate yourself and change. So after that whole spiel, my, my, <laughs> kind, of, my kind of question I wanted to ask is, SLA, Science and Leadership Academy um, in Philadelphia, do you think that the, the, the education and your, especially your history classes, right? Do you think they kind of aided the students' worldview? Definitely. Um, SLA, we were a very diverse school. I can't, I don't know the demographics demographics by, you know, like how accurate they were, but I know the demographics were close to the demographics of Philadelphia as a city. So Philly is like 44, 42% black, 41% white. And then like, um, I don't know for the Latino and Asian populations, but for at least for the black and white, I know it's close. It's like 41 to 42%. And SLA tried to make it as close as it was to the city. Um, Our classes, yeah, oh my gosh, all our classes. And I always made this joke, but not realize, like now I'm realizing it now, 
it makes sense. Um, our freshman year, we take a class called Amer um, African American History. And after that, we just take like world history or U.S. history and stuff like that. But every history class we had, it was always a section or a topic on African-American history. And I used to question, like, we took African-American history freshman year. Why are we learning about it again? But like, it's it's in the system. We're just there. We're all we always have been there. And and I'm grateful that we were always learning about it. I've been learning about it since I was in elementary school, kindergarten and stuff. And I'm glad that SLA has a system to continue teaching this type of information to all different types of people I, I, we never I, that just blow that blows my mind and it's not a good thing that's blowing my mind that you had a a class specifically for african-american history yeah i've never heard of that <laughs> oh really wow yeah <laughs> we never heard of that it was it was american history then it was european history and then it was american history again and then it was european history and then that was it like and it was oh. just repetitive and we spent you know i learned in the past two weeks about redlining Mm. because we probably spoke on that maybe one sentence in a textbook in like 10th grade. That's it, right? We, we didn't speak about any of that stuff. It was like, oh, everybody in the school's white. We don't really want to portray yeah. the white person as potentially <laughs> doing something really that wrong. We all know slavery's wrong. We all know lynch. We all know that stuff's wrong, yeah. obviously. But like, we don't really want to step further than like the obvious stuff. Yeah, I, know, feel like, I feel like personally for me, the most that I learned about slavery and everything surrounding that was like elementary and middle school. I feel like post that time frame, every single history class was like history from like 1870 something, you know, and, and that's just deleting everything that's before that and everything like in between, really. And that's just that's messed up. It's it's the, those those classes. I know those teachers. Um, I know I didn't. I want to want to remove uh, Mr. Venezia, Mr. Hildenbrand from that conversation that I did last week, but or a few days ago. But the majority of my of my professors and stuff were just kind of. Be like, yeah, no, yeah, there was, no, we're not acting like it didn't exist, right? It's not like the Holocaust didn't, like, we're not acting like this stuff didn't exist, but, it, but they're saying, acting like it's, it's over. It's fixed. It's done. Yeah. yeah which is, it has time. Completely wrong. Things were changed and look where we are now. That's not what it is. It's, it's, we had, it's, it had its time. Things haven't changed and look where we are now. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and they're not putting an emphasis on how that's transpired and how that's unfolded and how that hasn't really come very far. And they just kind of act like, yeah, no, things were changed at a federal level. So, you know, maybe it's not perfect now, but it'll, it'll fix itself. It's not, it, things don't fix themselves as we've seen over time. It takes action to fix things. Yeah. And like the actions that are taking now, hopefully things, you know, do become fixed because I've been, a lot of people have been reaching out to me, people I haven't talked to in years, people I haven't seen since I graduated, people who were in lower classes uh, when I graduated from SLA, we, like SLA was a pretty small school. I think we had about like 500 students. It was about 120 per class for graduating class so like everyone knew about everyone you know and i just been seeing so many so many sla students have been coming out to the protests it's, it's, it's amazing but every time i see one we have like good talks and conversations just seeing how we're doing during this whole process and i keep telling people it's just like what we learned in elementary in school the marches that we see martin luther king run and the conferences that we see malcolm x have this is what we're living through right now we have become our ancestors we're living through the same thing just because it's not as bad as it was back then doesn't mean it's not still bad you know and hopefully this this time of protesting will change something it will change something further and then, i'm not going to say this is going to be the last civil rights movement because it's definitely not it is not it's just going to keep happening i told you would before you, would you classify this still as a civil rights movement or a human rights movement or is it kind of somewhere in between that's a good question, actually. Because when, when I think civil rights, I think kind of your your duties as 
an American, as as you know, you, your right to vote, your right to exist in the same public spaces as other people, right? Because the civil rights wanted to end that end segregation, obviously. Um, you kind of you know your rights to assume those freedoms that were granted to you by the Constitution. But now it's I feel kind of even more. I don't want to say more important. I don't want to act like one thing's more important than the other. Mm-hmm. But on for on a human level, right? That applies not only to the American civil rights, but to the you know international human rights is not being seen and, and, and treated and discriminated against relative to anybody else. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's actually interesting. Human rights versus civil rights, um, probably in between, a mixture of them both. But now that you bring up like human rights, I personally, I haven't felt like I've been treated as a human lately or people who look like me haven't been treated as humans lately. And I retweeted a post from logan paul the other day this will probably be the only time i shared this man on my like on my platform but he is using his massive platform to convey an important message about people like me who are like you know are being affected by this and one of his what he said was it's not about race like we're all one race we are the human race so like why can't we treat each other like we're all as one like why can't we not let the color of our skin divide us and stuff like that and that's like you said human rights like we're is one big race we're all the same race and i just feel like me as a person and felt like the color of my skin, I'm viewed less than a human. I'm, I feel like people look at me like an animal. I'm not a human. I can speak like you guys. I can talk like you guys. We're born the same. We bleed the same. But for some reason, I am not deemed the same. I mean, that's, and that's the question that, that's the question that shouldn't be a question. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not even going to try to try to defend why that's a question in the first place. It, it could because and there's no there's no rhyme or reason as to why anybody should have that feeling that they are less than anybody else. Apart from pedophiles, they can go fuck themselves. But apart from them, and every yeah, other person, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 shouldn't even, it shouldn't even be a question. But okay, so you're saying that, you know, there have been times and there still are times where, you know, you've just been portrayed by society. You feel like in society, apart and, and potentially less than. Now you've, I don't know, maybe, maybe you have seen, I know there's been instances of, you know, communities, white communities, kind of taking a knee, putting their hands up and kind of re- repenting or trying to try to release, release their white privilege, trying to just accept this, this overwhelming kind of, they call it white guilt, kind of saying that it's now our turn to be subordinate is what I've seen, like direct quote, um, is it's, you know, we're, we, we are now going to just release ourselves from this, from this, from this privilege. And there's, and they're, and they're, you know, hands up, eyes, eyes. They're, it's like they're praying, but they're not. It feels like a cult of sorts where they're saying, we're going to, we're releasing our white privilege. It's not, it's not that easy though. No, I don't think it's possible. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just, you can't just say, yeah, okay. And now like, I had it and now I, and now I don't, no. it's gone. Like like you're being you're being exercised. Well, even yeah, I mean like exorcism. It's just not like, how it works. Like as white people, we need to use our white privilege to help. You know, like like you can't like like you shouldn't get rid of it. You know, especially in an instance like this. Yeah, I actually just met up with a friend that I haven't seen since freshman year of high school. He had like transferred out of the SLA at that time. And I pro- I told you this, these protests have been bringing everyone back together, which I love so much. Like during this time. Like people say, this is a race war. I feel like this should be a race unity. This should be bringing people more together than separating them. And for me, my experience, I've been, I've been communicating with so many friends that I haven't talked to in lately, and it's just been amazing, and I'm glad about that. But a friend that I just met up with, he, his video actually just went um, viral on Twitter. If you've seen the videos of the um, expressway 
when people were getting trapped and the police mm-hmm. were still gassing them. That was his. If you've seen in the corner, his name yeah. is Free Run Cell. It was from his Instagram um, story. Yeah, Free Run Cell. His name is Elias. And I just met up with him. He loves to do parkour. He loves to, like, you know, climb to tops of buildings, which he shouldn't do. But he expressed to me that he knows he gets away with that because he has white privilege. And he has also other friends of color and his friend group that does it with them. And he says we use it to our advantage. He uses his white privilege to his advantage. Whenever they do get stopped by police, him and his other friends who are white will intervene with the cops and speak with the cops so that the cops don't have to interrogate their friends of color because they know that's what the cops are after. So it's just like, you use it to your privilege or to your advantage. I'm sorry. Use your privilege to your to an advantage. Not just your advantage, but as many people as you can, you know? And I don't think you should forget about your privilege. Never. Never forget about your privilege. It's a privilege for a reason. I feel like you should just, you know, use it in a way to help the less privileged, you know? And like how you said earlier about, like, being in a school in Pittsburgh and not having, like, the administrators address certain issues and stuff. I feel like when it gets to a point like that, when you get to a point where you do not have the proper leadership, it's on yourself to address and hold other people accountable for their actions and stuff, you know? Absolutely. And it's one of those things that you don't know. I mean, you, you know that people, you know, some some goons slinging N-words around the hallways in the middle of between third and fourth periods. That's obviously not not right. I mean, that, that's not doesn't take that doesn't take, you know, an, an intellectual to, to decipher that and realize, you know what? I've come to the conclusion that that's not OK. No, that's you know, that's not OK. But you really don't know how the the severity of why it's not okay you're like yeah no you, can, you can't say that word but like it's it's not that it's not it's not that big of a deal yeah you can't make those 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 racist remo- those racist jokes eh, but it's not that big of a deal and your mind under my mind defaulted to that used to default to that because i was surrounded by people that look like me and, and i was not surrounded by people that you could see and you could tell how much it actually affected them you didn't have any of that exposure and everything just became okay there was nothing that was off limits because you know there was nobody there that got hurt by it, mm-hmm. right? And everybody, it, it was complacency to a T is what it was. And I see, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one in that school that has been aware of what the school was implicitly doing and has actively been trying to change themselves. Obviously, I'm, I'm one of 700 people. I can't be the only one. Mm-hmm. I know there's, I know, I still know there's people that haven't realized that. I know there's people that during these protests have, you know, as they started, right, they were living, you know, not even in Pittsburgh, outside of Pittsburgh. They said, okay, we'll just go to the beach. And they've been living in a beach house for like four or five weeks in, 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 the, in the Keys. Okay. Because they're scared oh, of what? Because they're scared what, of admitting is anything? Is that it's, why? It, it, I don't, I mean, I haven't talked to them myself, but it's <laughs> right, like right. that they just don't want to acknowledge that they do have a privilege. They don't want to yeah. acknowledge that there is a problem. Right? If it doesn't affect them, why should I care about it? And, and that's what bugs me a lot, is that if you are so self-centered that you can't care about somebody else, like you said, Jay, that bleeds the same as you, what's the point of, of you? They're the problem. What are, what, are you, what are you doing to help this world if you can't care about somebody else? If you can only yeah. look in the mirror and see people that look like you. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's just, I don't know. I just, it just, I'm just fed up about it. Yeah, and like Donnie said, they they have a problem, and I hate to say that about people, but when people do have a problem, you have you can't just be quiet about it. You have to express it. Like, hey, you're seeing. Like, I had a friend. I had just reached out to a friend about a week ago when this all started happening because I seen him tweeting very controversial things on his Twitter, and me and this friend, junior year of high school, we were like best friends. We became friends because he seen 
that I was playing a Pearl Jam album on my laptop and Pearl Jam is alternative rock. People wouldn't expect someone like me to listen to alternative rock before I joined this podcast. I was just blasting Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam in here not too long ago and just singing along. Like, I love it. It's just music, you know, people are, yeah. are entitled to enjoy what they want to enjoy. And that's how we became friends just off of the appreciation for a genre of music and we became the bestest friends ever, but we haven't spoken, you know, since we graduated like that, but we both went to temple together and we reconnected and everything. And he has a new life now, but I still haven't talked to him like we used to in high school and seeing him post those very controversial things on Twitter. I was like, wait, do you not care about my life anymore? Like, I know we haven't been in touch lately, but what we had in high school, that was a cool friendship that we had. So I, and it takes a moment because at first I was ready to retweet what he said and call him out and all his BS. But then I was like, no, let me do this in a civil matter. Instead of retweeting, I got off of social media and I texted him from my phone and we kept the conversation both sides. It was very civil. And we were both listening to each other's arguments, you can say. And not only was I, I was trying to make him aware of like what I was going through and other people that he knew we were going through also was sending him like some very educational um, articles and statistics and stuff just to make him aware. Basically he didn't believe that black people were being oppressed. He said, we're all being oppressed. He said, we're all going through the same stuff. And I'm just like, kind of, but no, we're not like, yeah. there's a, like, you know, there's a separation right there. And to be honest, to this day, I don't think if he's aware that he has privilege. That was the one question I felt to ask him. I asked him multiple questions like, how did he feel about Black Lives Matter? How did he feel about All Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter? And then other stuff, too. Just asking, him, like, just trying to get an idea, like, where his head was at. Because, like, I knew this, this kid, he has love in his heart. And I know he had love in his heart for me. But just to not see him have love in his heart for every other person that looks like me, that's what hurt the most. And then, like, after our conversation ended very nicely, we... We're both happy that we got to talk to each other about this. But after a few days, I went to his Twitter again and his bio had completely changed. He was like in sole support of Trump now. And like Obama, I don't know if you guys seen Obama dress the country, which I'm glad yeah. he did, or not just the country, but the world. He said this is not a if and or situation. It's a both. It's not politics and racism. It's a both. Like just because you're a Republican and you're a Democrat doesn't mean like you have the right to be racist or you have the right. right. No, like you can be a Republican and not be racist. That's fine. You can support whoever you want. Right. You we're seeing, we're seeing that with Mitt Romney right now. Mitt Romney. Yeah, exactly. We're seeing that with Mitt Romney. Yeah. Even though that's kind of questionable, but we're seeing that with <laughs> yeah, Mitt Romney yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I feel like it should be. Just because someone supports Trump, I don't think makes them racist. If someone's a Republican, that does not make them racist. They just have different political views. But I feel like some people are, you know, putting them together saying like, if you support Trump and you're a Republican, then you are racist. And like, I don't think that's true. But that's what it seemed like he was doing now, now that he has Trump 2020 in his bio and that like he does not support Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that. I'm just like, what What do you do? Because he never supported Trump before. I swear to you, this man never <laughs> supported Trump before. But until this whole Black Lives Matter movement just started and will start it up again, he is in full support of Trump. And what is Trump doing right now? I'm not going to say he's hiding in the bunker, which well, he he's, probably he's doing is less, right he's now, doing but less he's not. He's doing yeah, he's doing less than us. And he's almost in support of what's going on. Like the the very controversial treat, tweet that he had last week was about shooting looters and stuff. I'm just like, and calling us thugs and calling people thugs and stuff. I'm just like, how how can you justify that? That's not a leader right there. I'm sorry. That, that is not a proper leader right there. Because let me tell you, Hitler was a leader. He was a leader. And people acknowledge that. But was Hitler a good leader? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was going to answer that question. Yeah, I, know, but listen. I, know, I know what you mean, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen. <laughs> well, uh, so based on <clears throat> your experience with your friend or your <clears throat> ex-friend, I don't know what you want to call him, um, 
how do you how do you make that decision with some people of like you know if, if they retweet this or they put this comment out like i'm going to try and educate them and have like a thoughtful conversation with them or no i'm going to drag them like what is that line you know yeah is there, definitely... like is there a line you know is it just like personal preference i don't know like so for me personally there is a line because me as a person i try to keep things as civil as i can i hate confrontation i, I mm-hmm. hate fighting I, I don't like any of that. And I try to avoid it as much as often or as possible. But when there comes a time where you do have to address problems or, you know, confront somebody, I feel like you should go about it the right way. And me being angry and frustrated when I first seen his tweet, which almost enacted me to, you know, retweet it and call him out. I thought for a second, I was like, wait, not, let me not make this any worse. Because, you know, if you start yelling at one person, they're just going to yell back. And that doesn't solve anything. You can't fight fire with fire. That doesn't work. It never works. And my thing was, I'm, I was like, I'm not going to call him out because then he's not going to be willing to listen to me or my voice. He's just going to think I'm just against him. And he's going to think that I'm not willing to listen to his voice. So I just decided to go about a different matter and just, you know, just text him privately. So, I mean, you see, you see all over Twitter and, and everywhere, people, people dragging people, you know, and does it seem like to you um, that it's it, they're just doing it for clout that they're just trying to drag somebody for clout and maybe maybe i mean it, their their opinions right that get five hundred fifty thousand likes or whatever are valid right and their retorts are are you know oh they're they're okay they're fine they're, they're it's it's legitimate but are they just doing that to try to to try to get the clout or or what i mean i mean we're, we're retweeting something controversial and some and some kind of hate hatred and then adding a adding you know one sentence on it that everybody else is thinking to get a shit ton of likes and retweets versus getting to that person's DMs and, and, and ask them human to human, you know, why do you think this way? Or, or, or what can we do to change the way, the way you think? Or what experiences have you had that have led you to this, you know, conclusion, to this belief? You know, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so the whole, like, people supporting or not supporting this entire movement for clout is just really, it's horrible. I, but, you know, people will be people, not everyone are good you know but i feel like people who are getting dragged on social media are people who others had reached out to in the past and tried to let make them aware what they were doing and saying was not okay and they just failed to listen so them being dragged now is just a result of them not listening in the past you know beforehand they were warned i feel like they were warned at least and even i don't know if you guys been seeing sky jackson from disney channel like um exposing a bunch of racist people from small communities I find it entirely hilarious, but those people, you can tell by all the messages that Sky is getting to, that those people had multiple conversations with other people and they were not willing to either change their opinion or even just listen to what people were saying, calling them out on them being racist. And if they weren't willing to, you know, at least change or listen, then you kind of have the right to so, be uh, It's the point where, you know, you might just need to use peer pressure for, for a good reason. Yeah, pretty much, but... I, you know, that, that, you said small communities. I've seen some stuff um, in Alaska. No, I, I have a, no, I have a whole, I have a whole thing about, you know, we had a whole thing last week about how long does it take to bike to Alaska, and it was like 370. It was a long time to bike to Alaska. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to do a road trip. It's a side note, but um, there was a small community in Alaska called Palmer, right? And it's 700 people. It's one of the biggest cities in Alaska. 700 people, and. On their Black Lives Matter, oh no, seven thousand people, seven thousand people, sorry, and their and their and their movements and their protests that they started having, right? It was, I mean, it's a little delayed from everybody else because the message doesn't get there. I mean, you have to like put it on a moose, and then you have to put it on a train, and you have to put it on like two polar bears to get it to Alaska. It doesn't. I don't know if there's internet there or anything, but. 
Korea's their protests, not Korea. Their protests <laughs> were 10 to 20 percent of their population of the city population. So they have 7,000 people, and they were able to get 700 to 1,000, 1,200 people out to those protests on on uh, subsequent days. Imagine if those same metrics would be able to switch into a big city like Philadelphia. Imagine if Philadelphia of 1.5 million people was able to get 150,000 people to take over the Ben Franklin Bridge. All right, how big of a statement that would make? I mean, you see some things starting in LA and San Francisco and in Austin, Texas, and obviously Minneapolis um, and Buffalo as well, but in, in these big, big cities, if, that's, if those same percentages can translate, what kind of change can come from that? Um, so like I said, I was surprised to see the pa- the last protest on Saturday have thousands of people come out. There was so many people and it is, it was a warm feeling within all of us. Like we knew we were doing something that was right. And I feel like there definitely would have been more, especially the city of Philadelphia. I've been here my whole life. I know this city has love. This city is full of love. They listen, it might not seem like the city of brotherly love, but trust me, there is, there's definitely a lot of love in this city. And I feel like the only thing holding people back from not coming out is the pandemic that is going right, on yeah. right now. I was going to say that did, that's yeah. definitely played a huge factor in all of this. If this wasn't going on, there probably would have been thousands and thousands of more people out, not just in Philly, but in other cities and counties too. Definitely. Um, because as I, was protesting you see many people from their apartment buildings and their windows and their balconies holding up signs they got their pets out there with them they're chanting they're yelling they're waving recording everything and my question was i was like why are they up there and not down here and i was like you know what they have the right to be in their house in their homes they're probably scared they're quarantining from you know whatever's happening in this world right now but they are in full support so even though those people were not marching on the street with us they were like from their bedrooms and from their balconies and apartments and houses and stuff in support of us right, so, so definitely people, would have been thousands of they're not people. they're not getting counted as part of the of the walking protest right when, mm-hmm. they, when they put the numbers out on the news those people that are in their in their houses right not in their houses mm-hmm. like staying in their houses but in their houses like on their on their balconies and stuff aren't aren't counted towards it so how how many more people do you think were were active oh. in the protest <laughs> I don't know if you can if you can put a number on that. No, like I'm really saying thousands more because there's there's so many huge skyscrapers and apartment buildings in Center City. And, you know, they have glass windows. You can see out of them, like or you can see into them as well. You see many, many people just standing on each floor. And I find it so cool that you could just like go on all the way from the first floor all the way to the very top. You just see people in their windows standing, recording, holding signs or just looking at the crowd. And maybe all those people weren't in support, but majority of them were. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. all these windows, those thousands and thousands of windows you see riding past the city of Philadelphia, those are people being unaccounted for during protests. And I even think like, like if we weren't going through a pandemic right now and people had to go to work, like people would still skip work or get people to cover their shifts to go out to these protests. Like maybe the numbers would be a little smaller just because some people would be forced to go into work, but I think they'd, they'd be relatively around the same kind of estimate. I would Definitely. So the reason I've been so out proactively like protesting for the last week and a half is because my job was actually raided last Saturday when the looting started. It was looted last Saturday night and we were closed for a week. We just opened back up Sunday two days ago and I had worked my first shift again. It was Rita's third time opening this season, which is hilarious. But yeah, yeah. three times so far this season. Um but now I am going back to work. I go back I'm off today. I go back tomorrow, meaning I won't be able to protest as much as I want to. But before my shift on Sunday, I did go out and protest for two hours before I had to go to work. So yeah, people are affected by, cause they still have jobs to do. They still have money to make and bills to pay. So they're not as able to voice their opinions and protests as much as other people are. What are your thoughts um, about 
the looting. Not even your thoughts. I want your thoughts about the looting, but I mean, have you heard from your from your from your managers, from your supervisors, right? What are their takes? It seems like they're able to rebuild in, in a week and they're like they're like, you do, do what you gotta do. We're right back, we're opening again. Yeah. Okay. So I would tell you, um, this is like my third season working at Readers. It's like basically all everyone that works at Readers are from SLA. So you know you have a high school that majority of the students work at this one place. That's how Rita's is on 15th and Spruce. A lot of people or students from SLA work there. And from the beginning, my bosses, they've been in full support of like us. Most of the, I'm going to say all now, all of us are people of color that work for my bosses. My bosses are Italian, but everyone that, that are employed by them are people Wait, of color. Italians actually own Italian ice? <laughs> well, it's not Italian ice in Philly. It's water. Well, no, but but it's yeah. Rita's yeah. Italian ice. Is that's the that's the that's the the brand? You're telling me that there's actual Italians making the ice, or not making the ice, but but just doing. I mean, the- I make the ice. By the way, I'm an ice maker. Italian, but they're Italians. Like, Bad joke. Bad joke. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! Don't do I, that. I, don't do that. God, that's just this is a little bit of this. Don't do that. I just thought. I just thought it was. It was you just. So but there's actually Italians. You did no, I will so tell wrong. you. So. <laughs> I will tell you. My bosses. My. They're new. They just bought the store from our old owners in last, like mid last season, which was last summer. And my old owners, I believe they, their last last name was Kaufman. So they're not Italian. Not Italian, they're <laughs> not Italian. But our new owners are Italian and they, they're sweet. I love them. They're so peaceful and they're so nice to us. And the day that the looting was not, I'm not gonna say supposed to happen, but when people were like speculating it and it was like suspicious, she called the store multiple times. And she was like, any side of anything happening, you need to be safe. Get out the store. Don't worry about cutting everything off. Don't worry about cleaning. She said, just get home safe. She said, just lock the store up and get home safe. Don't be worried about anything. And that day during my shift, we were supposed to close at 9 p.m. Around 6 o'clock, people started looting Walnut Street down in Center City. So yeah. Walnut Street is the Apple store. There's um, the Van store, Dr. Martin's champion store. Oh, my gosh. It's a shopping <laughs> district, yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm just saying, oh my gosh, now because this is what it looks like now and what it used to look like is totally different. But once people started looting Walnut Street, I called my boss and I was like, hey, Donna, this is happening around the corner. We're going to close the store up. And she was like, yes, please just get home safe. This She was worried about us, not her property, but us. And when later the next, we didn't think Aritas was going to get looted. What are going to take out Aritas? Water ice, pretzels? Like, what are going to yeah. take? Is that where they took water ice and pretzels? They took our registers. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, that makes sense. That's yeah. That's- they took our registers, but they weren't even like the bosses when they texted us and let us know. They let us know the night of, or my manager called me the night of, um, but they let the rest of the team know the next morning of that the store was looted and that we were going to be out for repairs and stuff like that. But they, the whole time they were just expressing, they just wanted us to be safe. They were just worried about us and making sure we were safe. They didn't care about the property. They replaced it like that. They have insurance, all these places. I was telling my friends because the McDonald's did get burned down on 18th and Walnut, 17th and 18th and Walnut. And my thing is they've been, they've been redoing McDonald's around Philadelphia for like probably, probably few helping. years. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was like, all they're going to do is just remodel this McDonald's too. Like this just helped. This just gave them a reason to like remodel this McDonald's. So that's, they're fine with that. Not to justify like, like looting helped them, but like just to say like they were going to, you know, these stores are replaceable. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah the, you can fix these stores. Yeah, they, know, they like, can fix these stores. Like, this is property. You can replace property, but you cannot replace lives. And I know a lot of people have been saying that, but it's true. You cannot replace a life, but you can replace property. And I'm not going to, I'm kind of excited because 
I don't know if you guys heard, but the Dr. Martin store vans and McDonald's all got burned down. It was really bad. If you still walk by, it still smells like burnt rubber. And it's really crazy just to look at because it's in a city. This is a street right across the street yeah. from Rittenhouse Park that I've always walked down. It's just to see it look like that is just wild. But once they do remodel these stores, they're going to be even better. Like, I can't wait to see what the van store is going to look yeah, like. Like, I know yeah. they're going to they're gonna deck it out. <laughs> like, it's going to yeah. look awesome. And all these other businesses, too. Like, they're just going to make it look even better. These stores, these places, they have they have insurance, and not the, you know, talk not to talk about the small owned business businesses. Maybe they don't have insurance or as much as insurance as these big corporate jobs do. But, and I do feel bad for them. These these businesses, these small businesses that got affected by this. But listen, rioting has always been a form of protest since the beginning of time. Like people will bring up the Boston Tea Party and other rebellions and stuff, or the American Revolution and stuff. But this is just something that happens in history, and it's, it's hard to see when there's people that look like me that's doing it and. And people hate it. They want to shut it down and they want to say so many things about it that's bad. But what they fail to realize is that your ancestors did this stuff too in the past and it made America what it is with, like today. It made this world and this country what it is today. Do you think that, I don't know how to phrase this. Um, I know, I know, well, I know at least in, in, in Pittsburgh, a lot of the, uh, the looting and the destruction of public property has not necessarily been by people of color. Oh, it's, oh my it's, gosh. It's, the thing is, that's what I'm saying. Is it's been, it's been by people who, you know, there's been, I mean, there's statues all over the city with the Antifa all over it. And, and so I, I feel like it's just, it's giving, it's, it's just making the message not actually get through. It's attributing, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, for, for the people that are on the racist side of things, it's affirming their stances. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to see people judge and say, you know, these are thugs, these are black people out here acting like animals and stuff. And you just want to say, like, it's not just us. Like there's before I was aware that there was other groups coming in and doing this too. The first day of looting and I got off of work, I got to witness it firsthand, like the looting. I was recording, I've recorded when they first broke into the van store and I'm just like, these are people of color doing this. Like yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to get like document proof on video on camera <laughs> that like, it wasn't just us. Yeah. We were doing it too, but like, it wasn't just us. I literally witnessed a white guy bash the window of a TD bank with his skateboard. With yeah. his skateboard. And I always heard some aggressive things about people with skateboards and I never seen it, but that day I seen it. And it's, it's not just us. It's really not. And just to hear people want to prove that it's us all the time just like you can't prove that it's just us it's, it's, it's like it's everyone. such a it's such a catch-22 yeah. the whole the whole thing because you know it's it's things like that which it's at the point where you know if, if peaceful's not working you got to make a statement to get action mm-hmm. obviously pretty much but when they say oh my gosh look at these these you know these black people just just doing exactly what we thought they do and this just validates all of our racist beliefs and they refuse to look at the fact that these white people are also partaking in this whether or not that all of those people looting are doing so because they support the movement or they're just taking advantage of the situation right i don't know if you can or maybe this is a question then should you be able to separate those two like those people that are you know taking more uh, aggressive passionate action should you take Um, those and separate those from those who are just taking advantage of the situation I mean, it's hard to separate it because it's like, there's there's a reason people want to take this stuff into advantage. It's like, because we, it's hard to get it. Like, I'm not going to lie. When people were breaking into the van store and Dr. Martin's, I was like, I never even owned a pair of Dr. Martin's before. Like, like, I'm not going to say it's an expensive shoe. Their shoe's definitely more expensive than those. But like, people like me haven't been able to like, you know, get certain things like these and when it's right there and it's being destroyed like why you know why not go ahead and take it as well and 
is I feel like it's just <laughs> it just goes on with the oppression. Like we don't have access to many things, so when we get it, we will take advantage of it. Or when I say we, when people get it, people will take advantage of it. And during this time, I hate to see people are out there looting. I'm pretty sure it's like calmed down by now. Hopefully, yeah. I don't have much ruckus and because I'm still on Temple's campus, by the way, I've been hearing a lot. I've seen and witnessed a lot around here. It's scary, troubling times around here. But lately, it's been calm. It's been so calm lately. I can actually sleep at night. But yeah, it's just it's just hard to see. I feel like. It's just the people in general. I feel like it shouldn't be if black people are destroying things or white people are destroying things. I feel like we should just say people. It's just people who are destroying. Still, yeah, Add, adding adding a, a race modifier on the destroying things aspect just is is part of the problem. It's trying to separate who's doing it. It's people in general. People and yeah, that's that's another another ridiculous thing. You talk, you spoke on Temple, <laughs> right? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about uh, President Anglert's? recent statements regarding the students who have been posting a lot of uh, hate speech and a lot of disgusting discriminatory content all over the enters of webs it's a bullshit statement i'll answer for all three of us and then he he releases a statement you know paraphrasing saying we can't really do anything about it we're against this don't get me wrong we 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 don't like this says mr angler president angler we don't like this this is not good we disagree with it but we're not really going to do anything about it um, can't really expel him or anything, right? You can't do that. Yeah. So, hey. listen. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are so you I'm going to call him Richard. I talk about Richard all the time. The day <laughs> I seen that email come out, I got the notification on my phone, and I didn't even click on it. I was like, this is going to be some bullshit. I'm sorry, excuse me. This is going to be some BS. And my friends, I met up with some friends. I don't know if you guys know Kat Scott from the girls' team. Actually, mm-hmm. while we're protesting, we ran into each other by coincidence. Like, she was out there protesting. She happened to see me. And, like, you know, we just ended up protesting together. And they were bringing up, like, did you guys read the email from Richard? And I'm just like, I have not because I feel like it's going to be bullshit. And they told me, like, yeah, we read the whole thing. It was bullshit. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for telling me. That. <laughs> I knew it was going to be. But when it comes to stuff like that, I know freedom of speech is a part of our amendments. And, like, people do have the right to freedom of speech and um, expression and stuff like that. But I feel like there should be like a determining factor when you can say this is freedom of speech and this is hate speech and whether speech is illegal or not, I feel like there should, something should be done. Like if children or not children, students, adults, because we are adults in college, by the way, if adults can't take responsibility and realize that like things to say or do is, is wrong and is bad. Racism is wrong and is bad. Like if you can't like distinguish that and get that in your head, then I feel like you shouldn't have the right to attend a school of other people who are, diverse who like why should you be accepted to a school where apparently you're just going to be racist to the people that go there you know yeah i feel like you should have as a president of a school or administrators of school you should have the right of kicking people out because they the code of conduct if they're not respecting other people in that school then they don't have the right to be there and let someone else take their spot who does have the right to be there now i understand like you can probably get sued for kicking someone off for freedom of speech or expression and stuff like that but like if it doesn't deem like a certain protocol or code of conduct in your school, then they don't have the right or privilege to be there. Right. And and I think it's a good thing too, that like temple students and like temple student government um, are like, or like in the comments on these posts, like dragging temple on it. And, and the, the worst thing about what temple's doing is that they're literally replying to these students and they're saying like, this is like terrible. We don't condone this at all in the North Philly community or at our university. Uh, it has been brought to the attention of this group and it's being handled. And then you release a statement and it's like, what are like, like, but what are you doing? Yeah. How is so, it like, being handled? Yeah. Like, like how, like, like, 
I tweeted, I don't know if you saw, I was like, tell me how it's being handled, right? Like you don't have to explicitly tell me if the students might be expelled or they might be suspended or whatever, but like, give me progress, you know, of like, uh, like, I don't know, just, just give me progress on the situation. Don't, don't spoon feed me this, this, I don't know, this bullshit. Yeah. And even if they can't or they don't want to expel these students I feel like they need to take action to help these students realize like what they did or said was wrong like whether it means making them attend like a certain class like you know what they do with students who right are caught with drugs or drinking and stuff like that they make them attend the class I believe right yeah or something of the matter there's a 21 year old individual that has you know a twisted tea can open on the street but you don't see it but somehow they get caught with it they have to pay it's like a big fine and they have to do like four months of a class and but you know like you're saying somebody can just be extremely discriminatory and hateful and degrading to another individual and it's like ah it's, you know it's not good we, we're not saying it's good but we're we're saying that it's not it's not not good enough that we can that we can step in yeah. and think about it but those but those kids those kids those those adults who are drinking in their dorms oh Oh, that really that really pushes us over the edge. No. Yeah, it's like it's like like you run a college, you know everybody drinks, right? But you <laughs> run a college, you know that there shouldn't there shouldn't be a place for hate exactly. discrimination. Exactly. You run you run, a, you run anything, it shouldn't be a place for hate yeah. discrimination. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? I know there's been some talk, not among people that actually make decisions, but there's been talk uh, from Temple about Temple students about wanting to have a a you know, they have race and diversity like a one gen ed class, but kind of having a a course like a race and diversity seminar that you have to take your freshman year. You know, kind of having that for all students, not only for those that are caught saying hateful things, but for everybody. For yeah, like you do it with yeah. your dorm or something or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, that sounds amazing, actually. Like, because a lot of things that I was learning was actually from the race, gender, diversity, um, Jeanette, too. And I was just like using a lot of things that I learned in that class to inform the guy that I told you about earlier that I had a long conversation with. And I'm just like, this is stuff we both go to Temple. This is a Jeanette that you had to take. Did you not learn the same things that I learned in that class? Or did you not take away what I took away from that class? Like how why are we, you know, communicating on a different level right now when we should be on the same level? So I feel like at least that will be a good start, you know, have everyone take the same class at least or same variation of the class um, in the beginning of their semester at Temple, I guess. I mean, Even if people, year. students who are transferring to junior, senior year, make them also take oh, yeah, this yeah, class yeah. as well. I, people, like this is a community that you're going to be a part of. You're going to have to listen and live by these rules here, you know? I said, yeah, it was the same thing. This is a community, you know, North Philly community, um, which is, there's a, I think Matt Hanley said it was a, it was a majority minority thing. Yes. Right, um, where the white people in North Philly are a majority on campus, but a minority really elsewhere um, in North Philly, and only making them take one race and diversity gen ed, right, which a lot of people just put off till their senior year and don't actually take it seriously. Just to say, what's the what's the easiest one to to, to take, right, and, and don't actually get anything out of it, and that's the only kind of real inclusion, real uh, exposure they get to the community that they're living in. But you know they'll just build a football stadium and it's all cool. That's not how it works. Yeah, that's, that's not that's not how it works. Yeah. yeah, a football stadium. Do you see the players on that team? By the way, exactly. it's the same thing that goes with the NFL. And I'm just like, uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like distract the topic or anything. No, 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 this no, is no. the topic. <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, but yeah. just everything with the NFL and not letting you know Kaepernick use his former protest from before and now they want to apologize. They even apologize to him. They just apologize to yeah, uh, yeah. They him. Owe, they owe him a personal apology. Yeah. They do. They seriously do. They do. It's, and it's upsetting that they haven't know, gave them to him yet. 
I, I think that the apology was a necessary. I mean, they had to apologize in general, period, and make a statement, period. And I think that they've made a better statement than some other leagues have. I'm not saying that it, that, it, that they were like ahead of the game. No, they are still behind the eight ball. They are still way behind. Right. I mean, but, like, I don't know if I don't know if you know the story behind the video. Do you know? The, I didn't know there's a story is? behind the video. Okay, so uh, basically, the NFL like released like like one like first like bullshit statement. Mm-hmm. Everybody was mad about him, mad at them about it, and then there was um, like a videographer for the league, like a content creator who was just like pissed off. He was like, and he's this white guy. He was like, this is bullshit that our league hasn't released a viable statement yet. And because like Matt said, the NFL is basically another form of government in our country. Um, And so he reached out to Michael Thomas, the Saints wide receiver. And he was basically like, let's make this video. And this was not like the NFL did not give the thumbs up to this whatsoever. So this guy went rogue and put his job on the line. And Mike, and he was like, DM Michael Thomas. They got this video set up. Michael Thomas got in contact with all the other black players. I don't know if you saw that video. Yeah. Um, and they, they put out the video and they basically said like, as players, this is what we want the NFL to say. And then Roger Goodell came out and literally said what those players said in the video. And while it while while it can be looked at as like Roger was just reading off a script and just made it easy for himself because he was saying what the players are saying, like 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 that is still better than like what other teams and leagues are doing. You know, mm-hmm. like like he's paying attention to this. Um and he said what needed to be said. And while they still need Kaepernick back in the league, even if it's like in a backup position or just owe him apology owe him an apology, like that was a start. Yeah, at the very you least. Know? Yeah. My I just think it's awesome that that guy put his job on the line for that. Is, well, I mean, that's what needs to be done, right? You yeah. see police officers. He still has his job. Putting so, their jobs on go. the line, right? By Or not putting their jobs on the line, like just, just putting their jobs aside, right? We're going to get into something to do with, with cops and with protesters in a second. But I want to yeah. real quick give a thought about the NFL's Roger Goodell statement. You're saying that he, you know, said what the players asked him to say and i feel like that can be taken in two two sides of a coin he either it's either him saying he listened and he's doing something a lot of other commissioners aren't doing which is listening and hearing right and respecting those players by saying what they want him to say almost almost verbatim literally literally word for word that's what i'm saying i'm saying you want us to say this we're gonna say this for you or he's he's saying well they want us to say this well shit now we're stuck in a corner we got to make a PR statement. We got to just say exactly what they want to say, right? And we don't, we can't think inside his head. I want to say it's the former that, that he's doing it because he respects his players and he understands that he has been, although I hate Roger Goodell a lot, and I've made this known on the other cherry picking podcast that I have, I, I yes. think Roger Goodell is we both, we both a, a scum. Roger. I am anti Goodell. Yeah. He's Roger Baddell in my eyes. But I will say that in terms of, you know, uh, equity across the league and equality across the league. He has made more strides than previous commissioners. Not as much as like Adam Silver in the NBA. No. But not as little as like Manfred in the MLB. He, he has yeah, made yeah, yeah. strides. And I think now is a, is a point in his legacy and his tenure where, you know, an apology to Kaepernick is, should be expected. That, that's like the bare minimum. Like this, yeah. was, this was the bare minimum, but that's the bare minimum. Yeah. It's, it's like what needs to be done no matter what. what else, I don't know what else he can do right now i i don't know other than an apology and, and siding with them i mean i've heard talks of, of really of, of him backing the black lives matter movement financially from the league right putting taking yeah i mean he aside. should like like football wouldn't be what it is without black players you know like like you should put your money where your mouth is it, it wouldn't be I, that's what he needs to do money money where his mouth is but you have you know <clears throat> cops who don't make a lot of money 
and they're not putting them. They're not really able. The only way they can put their money where their mouth is is by leaving their job and either joining the protest or just outright saying, "I disagree with this, and I, I don't want to be a part of this." And there's a, there's a big difference between I don't want to be a part of this and I agree with you and proceeding to leave your job, turn in your badge, or saying I don't agree with this, I don't want to be a part of this, and then just taking a knee with the protesters. And then, you know, videos come off, videos turn off, PR statements over, they get up, masks on, tear gas the individuals, right? I mean, what, what is your take, Jay? Is that, is that just making your, it was not, not your, making the, the protest and the movement, is that just, just reaffirming exactly why? Now, I will tell you, because I was actually surprised yesterday to, to see when I was downtown protesting, there was another protest being held as well. And it was being led and escorted by police officers. And when I realized that, I was like, this this seems sketchy. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, I probably made a joke along the lines, like, they're going to take the protest around the corner and just gas them where no one's, like, able to see them. Because it started at City Hall in front of Delaware Park, right there at 15th and Market. And then they went around City Hall towards the back towards, like, Broad Street. And yeah, back yeah, there, yeah. there's not as many cars and people, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's still, you know, a, it's still an area where there's, like, right, you know, right. people around, but people it's aren't It's a highly populated area. Yeah. yeah. So I was making jokes, like, maybe, like, I don't trust these cops or whatever, but it's not that I didn't trust them. I was just like, what, what is making them do this? And when I realized there were other detectives who were just re- wearing plain clothes, they still had a badge on and they had um, their walkie talkies in their hands and stuff. And they were trying to get other people because we were watching a performance by Kappa alumni at Dilworth Park. They had their choir outside and they were just, and they were all different people of color. There were white people or Asian people, there were black people part of this choir. Kappa was a very, a very di- um, bi- diverse high school as well. Sorry about that. And just watching them perform in this time of like, you know, need, it was just amazing to see. And a lot of people had joined around, even Channel 10 had came and recorded them for a little bit. I think it was just for like publicity, but that was it. But seeing these cops escort and lead this protest, I was like, what is making them do this? And the detectives that came up to me and my roommates that were talking to us and trying to like, they were vibing with us. They were like giggling, laughing with us. They were asking if we were part of the choir and if we could sing for them too. And like, there was one officer that came up to us and he was like, show me what you got, sing a song for me. And my roommate was like, do re me. Just like joking with them, you know? It's just like having a good time. Like these officers are people too. And I have nothing against them. It's just that they're not holding their pairs or their system accountable as well. So seeing them lead that protest and the detectives who were leading the protest were detectives of color, they were people of color. And I was like, maybe this is them taking a stance against their department. Like, we're going to lead this protest today. And I was like, this is, maybe this is something that's good. But like seeing other videos of police officers, you know, taking the knee with protesters and getting their pictures in and right after they're gassing people. I'm just like, that's not what we live for. That's not what we stand for. There's a bunch of people on social media saying, if you Cupid shuffle with the police, I don't claim you anymore and stuff like that. But it's like you, it's hard to pinpoint the bad guy from the good guy when their whole system is just bad, you know? Right. So for those cops that do kneel and then, you know, when the cameras come off, they don't tear gas, right? For for those cops. Is it enough in your eyes? Because I saw a video of, of Kiki Palmer trying to, I don't know if you saw the same one. Um, yeah. She was pleading with these cops to leave their post and march with them. And the cop was like, I, like I, I cannot I have my orders to stay here. And they kneeled and everybody else around them was like cheering on that they kneeled. And Keith Palmer was like, that, like that's not enough for me. That's not yeah. enough for me. For, in your eyes, is it enough for cops to just kneel? And then, you know, when, they, when, when the protest keeps marching on, maybe they get up. Or should they leave their post or assignment to show their solidarity? Now, when we come to terms like that, it's hard to, you know, you have a job to do. You were hired yeah, by yeah. this employer. This is your 
your source of income. This is how you pay your bills. This is what gets you by financially. You have a family to take care of. You can't just abandon all of that just because you want to do what's right. And that's, that's what I think makes it really hard for them. And the video with Kiki, yes, I seen that as well. And when she was talking to that national guard, he was like, I, he made an oath. He can't leave this post. He has to take, you know, he has to listen to who's ever in charge of him. And if yeah. he disobeys that, he's going to suffer some serious consequences because that's just how that job is. When you raise your hand and make an oath, you have to stay by that oath. And I think that's what's hard for these, for most officers to, you know, get by because if they, it's one thing to be like, yeah, I want to support you guys and actually quit your job and, you know, find another job, hopefully, or if you're already financially stable, you might not have to find another job right away, but it's also hard for other ones who can't do that. And I don't blame them for not, you know, quitting their jobs, but the ones who th that have and that were able to, like, I, I'm glad that they were able to and do that. But I feel like it's just, it's a whole, it's a system thing. It's a systemic thing, you know? It's like when SEPTA goes on strike, you know, all their workers and employers, you know, they... They don't drive the buses. They don't drive the trolleys and stuff. But, like, can police officers do that? Can they go on strike? Are they allowed and able to actually do that? I don't think SEPTA employees had to, you know, make an oath to get their job. I, I hope not. I've seen some of the no. SEPTA employees. I'm not going <laughs> to. I don't see them taking oaths anytime soon. Regarding <laughs> <laughs> the way they drive some of those buses. But that's another, that's another, that's another podcast. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think I agree. I think it is kind of case by case and i think it really fucking sucks and it's really disheartening and it really is aggravating to see when you know i, I really my mind goes like mainly to houston and buffalo when i think of those uh cops that just that take knees it's all pr stunts that's all it is it's all it's all pr and then those things those those 30 second videos you know of cops having hands on shoulders and saying i agree with you we need to be making changes right um and then taking the knee yada yada cameras go off that clip gets put on fox news that's what they see and then, you know, you have your, your people who get their sort, that's their source of media seeing, oh, well, the co these cops are siding with them. Why are they still, why are they still rioting? Why are they still protesting? They have cops on their side. That's all, that's all they, that's all they see. And that's, that's honestly very dangerous. I, I, I have nowhere else to put it. It's dangerous when people get their media from that one source. Yeah. It's a very biased source. And I just want to take the time to say, like, I appreciate like what technology has become this day, like what social media has become because back then like it wasn't this advanced like you only had the one source of news you had that one station you no one had like you know there was myspace back then but now we have facebook twitter snapchat instagram so many more tiktok and stuff like that and just like you just get to see pinpoints and views from all people all different types yeah. of people and all those different types of people can see the views of others as well and you actually see what's going on because there in the beginning of this time i was having arguments with my mom my own mother who herself i haven't asked her or talked to her about it yet but i don't know if she's ever been in like a protest like what i'm doing now i don't know if she's lived through a time where they had to protest for their rights or if she was you know, too young to go through the protests that were happening back then. I have, I need to talk to my mom actually, but we were having discussions or arguments about like what if I was doing was right or what everyone is doing is right. So just, she sees, she watches, you know, the news on television, Fox News and stuff like that. Me, I'm using social media as news. I, yeah. I deleted most of my social media. The only one I haven't deleted was Twitter. And that's only because that is my main source of news right there. That's, a, that's how I know I'm not living under a rock because I have Twitter on my phone. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I wish as a, a student, a, a media student, um, I wish that the, the media like it, it pains me to see the job that some of these um, bigger news stations are doing, uh, like 
my family we have CNN on a lot um right now at night mainly when it's like Cuomo and all them and Anderson Cooper and I think they're fine um but you know like Fox like like Fox News and like all all those other big news stations I think are doing a bad job and I wish people watched more local news also because if you really really want to see what happens in like local communities your local news stations dedicate their entire time and their effort to those communities um, instead of having to focus on, you know, regional areas. Well, not everybody has access to their local, you know, W blah, 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 K blah, blah, right. blah, 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 right? So how do they get their, their, their news? Because we, we talked before about social media, how you can find whatever stance you want to find on social media. And these big, and these big news, um, Fox and CNN, neither of them are, are, are fantastic sources. They both have very biased angles on things. Oh my God, yeah. Right? So <laughs> I just said I watch CNN, but yeah, CNN is very biased. And well, I'm saying, but then, but then where do you get your, your opinions from? I mean, these, these are things that maybe you don't necessarily get them straight from the media, right? And I say no. that as, as in this kind of ties all the way back around to Jay uh, educating her friends, is it goes to the numbers. It goes to the stats. It goes to the, okay, we're not, let's not even talk about why the protests are going. You know why. You, well, you know that they are going on. We don't need, need to know the specifics about how many. We don't need to know the specifics about you know, the property damage. We don't need to know the specifics about the cops potentially taking PR knees or not. Look at the numbers that explain why these are happening in the first place. Look at the stats that show you why these are going on. Look at the, all the attempts in the past 70 years at peace, at peaceful measures, and look how much that has changed now. All those peaceful measures gave us a war on drugs that targeted the the, the black community. Right. Right. That it was a metaphorical. It was it was it was literally a metaphorical war on drugs so that Nixon could attack black people. It, and then Reagan know, maybe, and then Reagan turned it into a literal war on drugs. Maybe you saw the. I watched Thirteenth. Yes. All right. I haven't watched it yet because I've been busy doing some other stuff. But I saw something. I know. And you you just said CNN too, but I saw someone CNN as well. Um, saying this is a quote from. The, the Nixon's former domestic police police chief, John Ehrlichman. Is it is, is about him them targeting black people? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna really? quote I'm gonna quote it real yeah. quick. Uh, he said, "Quote the Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies: the anti-war left and the black people." And this is directly from his domestic policy chief. I said domestic police chief, domestic policy chief. He further he continues to go and says, "Quote you understand what I'm saying." We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin, then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt both of those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. <laughs> That's terrible. That's that coming terrible. from the domestic policy chief. This is something that was what? It's in Nixon's campaign in 68. That yeah. is that is years, and then and then Reagan picked it up right after. I'm saying that is years after the civil rights movement that they go into that, right? And you look at it in in, in the eight, in the 1860s, right? When the the amendments of freedom, and I put them in quotes, and I did this last episode too, because did they what did they really grant, right? Because after those were granted, supposedly, so many other protective measures were put in place or enacted to prevent you know the the former slaves from assuming those rights that they were that they were granted and those rights and it took up until the civil rights movement 100 years later for them to finally have those those rights that they were supposed to have as american you know individuals 100 years prior took 100 years for them to actually get those and then a few years, a few years later the nixon regime starts targeting them on the human level and now it's taken another 70 years to find of of but trying and trying and peaceful and and, and just unlawful justice which is a contradictory statement in and of itself, to start trying to make headway on things. 
it shouldn't take there shouldn't be a, a 70 to 100 year turnaround on laws it shouldn't it shouldn't you put a law in place that's it happened it should be happening right then and there it shouldn't take 100 years for those laws to be like actually put in place you know what i mean so yeah. I mean, you, you just you just see it's 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 it was ingrained into society and it's nothing's going to change until you break down society and build it back up again right and you look at minneapolis who just uh, as of the last, was it yesterday or two days ago? As you yeah. recorded, it was. Yes, it was. It was. You know, it, no, two days ago. You're talking about the the police department. Yes, stuff? The, the police yeah. department disbanding and getting quote not just getting glued back together, right? And they're gonna find a new way um, of of enforcing public safety. Yada yada yada. This was a few days as a few days before recording. I don't know. Like it was two days June, ago. June June eighth, June seventh, something like that. So you know, I think that's another thing that could have two, <clears throat> right? Either. It sets the standard, it sets a precedent for other cities like, hey, this is potentially working. This is something that is disbanding the police, is defunding the police to the point that it doesn't exist anymore and trying something completely different, trying something new. Let's see where this gets us. You know, and I think that this is that's a solution that potentially, and I might be biting my tongue, you know, down the road, that both sides of the argument are okay with, right? Because if we're not okay with, but it's a it's a it's not a bad outcome because you defund the police. You get it disbanded. You you make an attempt from the legislative level to build out something completely different, completely new, right? That's that's what people are protesting for, right? But then you also have the people who are against the protests or against the looting or against some aspect of the protest saying, well, you know what? Let's just give them what they want, right? Let's just give them, let's tear down the police force. And then, and then it'll just show them that that's not going to work. It'll show them that that doesn't work. And we're going to have to go back to the old ways. But at least just let them, let them fail on their own. So, you know, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Obviously, I, I believe one side of the story. I, or I side with one side of the that I said. But both sides can, can, you know, potentially get something out of this. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely trial and error. Um, and I just it, just, it was brought to my attention really recently that um, the city of Camden, New Jersey, had yep. just took this up in 2013. And I had no idea that they, yeah. you know, reformed their whole police system or whatever but until just now yeah and i read about this it's amazing it's amazing that no one knew about it until now yeah and it's crazy because camden being right next to us there are neighbors like we always known camden was like a bad city it was one of the it was one of the most dangerous cities in america and yeah and every time you see the list they were at number one and stuff but over the years like i i feel like camden has just been quiet and i never so much better it's just been yeah so much better it's been quiet i haven't been hearing much of it every time i seen a new list every year a new list will come out camden had further and further down the list and i'm just like i never understood why until i realized the other day that they have reformed their police system and i was like well it obviously worked for them like maybe it's you know it's different it's trial and error like i said it's different for every city and every place and every system but like if it worked for this city why can't it work for that why why isn't that something that they're pushing in the media exactly and why was it something i didn't know about they're just starting they're just starting to push it now but yes i know i know what you mean i'm saying why isn't that something that was just common knowledge why wasn't that something that you know i see every single everything i you could see anything unmanageable on twitter or whatever why why am i not seeing people saying you know the police need to be defunded and here's an example of something that's worked already can that compare playing playing devil's advocate also um because people would have seen it and they'd be like what is this like no, this won't work like any other else. Like the police are fine in other bigger cities. And then it takes an incident like this for them to notice. You sure. Know? It's like, just look at, like Jay said, history repeats itself. Just go look at history. And that's a reason in and of its own. Like it shouldn't take this many cases. It should take one. It should. Oh it probably God. shouldn't even society, take any cases. Society just, is, is reactive. Yes. 
Society is very reactive. It's a very yeah. delayed reaction. Yeah. <laughs> so now is the time, and the, I, I imagine they said this 70 years ago. Now is the time for society to potentially shift gears and be proactive, right? Be proactive with protecting human rights, and that and that's and that's a statement. And I said this. We said this over and over. This this show is that why is that a, why does that need to bring controversy? Why is protecting human rights and assuming human rights, just human rights as a whole, why is that a controversial statement? Why is mattering a controversial statement? Why is mattering? I, I, I've watched a handful of times, the whole Michael Che thing. I haven't watched the Michael Che one you, yet. I will, I, send the, I will send that out to you. Um, why does mattering matter? Is, is matters. Yeah. Matters. Nothing more. Just just matters, you know? And, and I, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't, nobody knows why it's an issue. Yeah, that's, that's what sucks about it. Anyway, well, well, let's see if we can end on something a little bit of a, of a more enlightening note than that because that was kind of a bummer. Um, <laughs> all right, Jay, I got one more question for you. Thanks, Ziggy, for making it a bummer. That's just what they call me. <laughs> what do you see as promising coming out of this? And you, that, could, that could, this could be on a national scale. This can be on a local scale. This can be on a personal scale. What's, what's being promising for you coming out of this? Um. Yeah, funny enough, like I said earlier, this is definitely going down in the history books, whether they're actually going to teach about it or not, but this is going down in the history books, like, and me being skeptical, I was like, every year right before election, something like this does happen. Last time this happened was in 2016, right before the election, and the Black Lives Lives Matter movement was going on, but it didn't, you know, it wasn't this as aware and this known as it is now, back then, like, it wasn't getting that much attention back then. And that's when they had the one riots that were in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when, um, that was when the, the death or the murder of Mike Brown by police officers. And it's like, this this happens all the time. Like, I'm not gonna say I'm used to the videos, but like, it's something that I just see constantly all the time, whether everyone are seeing them too or not, but I, I just see them too often. And, and I'm glad like right now people are taking this matter more seriously than the past few times. They have been because these protests have been shown that they have been. So this is definitely going in the history books. I just and I've also been telling people out of like all of 2020, this is the best thing that happened so far, in my opinion. I think this whole movement and everyone like opening their eyes and stuff like that just is the best thing that's happened so far this year. Because even though it's still shitty, sorry for language, it's still shitty. It's it's promising and it's helping, and I just hope people just learn and they see this this time in need and crisis as like we need to work together and push forward together for to make a better future you know like i feel like the things we do now like we will accomplish something later like later in the future like people didn't march back then for no reason people if those marches didn't happen back then then we wouldn't be right here on this podcast together like seriously women of color with two you know white people two right token now. white two, guys two yeah. <laughs> yeah like this would not be allowed like this wasn't allowed back then they literally yeah, me, had to me separate and, it me and ziggy yeah. wouldn't go to temple probably exactly you know yeah or i wouldn't be able to go to temple you know yeah. like listen everything from the water fountains you know back then being labeled for you know color people and whites only is just it's so much has changed and it's been only a few years, but so much has definitely changed. And I just can't wait to see how much more is going to change in the future. And like I said, this will not be the last protest. This will not be the last movement. This is going to continue to happen, you know, even long after we're gone. It's just, it's, there's always going to be something to protest about, but I hope like we're not just protesting for no reason. We're not just protesting so people can hear our voices. I hope we're protesting so people can hear our voices and actually listen and do something about it. Yeah, yeah. So. You said it. You just said it right there. Hearing and listening are two completely different things. Yeah. And you also said it great earlier. You said some along the lines of, you know, this is not a race war. 
No, people say it is. It's not. This is a race unity. Mm-hmm. That's a very positive thing to end on. And I'm going to say something that's very positive to try to counteract the tale I ended on a few minutes ago. We look back and you talked about the, the water fountains, right, being mm-hmm. segregated. And, and it's, that's a world, right, that at least from my perspective, I'm like, I just can't imagine having existed in that, in that world. I can't imagine that. I mean, I know it existed, but I just can't picture that today. I can't picture going to the schools I went to and going, you know, existing in, in the society I do where I'm going to a water fountain right next to a black person's and there's this complete, and it's, I, we can't drink from the same one. There's this complete, I can't imagine that. And I'm hoping that in 60, or maybe not 60, I'm hoping in the near future, in the near future, but say yes. in 60 years time, my kids see the same thing and say, I can't imagine living in a society where you could just like, like the, the, I see the police, but you could shoot a black person for no type. Exactly. You could just put, you could just just kill somebody, right? You you could just do that, right? You could just discriminate against people. You just throw people in jail for no, like, I hope that's the same way of thinking in 60 years. Mm -hmm. Simple, simple as that. Anyway, uh, is there anything you want to plug? Um, yes, actually, PADA, um, Philadelphia Area Disc Alliance, just released a racial equity proposal, and they, they're looking for feedback, they're looking for comments, so if you can go to PADA.org and read this proposal, and you can actually feedback and comments in, um, to an email called ed at PADA.org, ed at PADA.org, and just submit your feedback or comments by, um, June 14th, and... We will That'll make sure we'll, we'll, we'll tweet that out. Yeah, if yeah. you play frisbee, do that. Well, if you don't play frisbee, even if you don't play frisbee, start <laughs> yeah. playing frisbee and then do that. We know we'll, we'll tweet that out. We'll make sure that that gets um, you know spread to however many people we can spread it to. Mm-hmm. Was anyway? I'd like to thank you again. Yeah, thank you, Jay. This is a great discussion. Um, oh, thank you guys. I I, I had a, I had a blast. I think I think this was really good. I, yeah, I can literally sit here and talk with you guys all day. I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> I would too, but I had to go pick up my sister from her friend's house. And like, I was supposed to get her at 2.30, but I said, Abiel, you're going to wait another hour. <laughs> Simple as that. Um, anyway, signing off. This is Ziggy. This is Donnie. And that's Jay. That's Jay. Simple <laughs> as that. I don't know why I'm saying that. Anyway, stay safe out there. <laughs>